Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Renee Michener. My husband would be with us, but he's on a mission over in, well, currently Norway. And then he'll be heading to Sweden and then Finland. And then I'll be meeting up with him in Spain where we'll be doing um, a few uh, series of meetings in a church in Spain and uh, with the walkers. And so we're excited about that. Uh, my husband had three flights in the night. <laughs> but he got to text me during them. So I was up talking to him at 3 a.m. I'm ready today, but uh, <laughs> if I have some of him on me, well, you'll know why. No. <laughs> I just love that God wants to deliver things to his people and that I get to be included in that, and so do you. I'm just so thankful for his faithfulness to us. You know, um, I, the message today is called the 23rd Psalm. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's on like lots of doilies, <laughs> probably a Hallmark card in a few places, and you, you might even be able to recite the 23rd Psalm, or at least the beginning of it. Let's try it. No, I'm just kidding. I'll make you do it. <laughs> but this psalm means a lot to me, and I'm going to share some things with you this morning, and then we're going to dig into it, and I'm really hoping I can... Um, get through everything that I want to share, but if not, uh, well, there's always next week. Praise the Lord. So on Sunday when I was in service, um, the Lord often in service, and, and if you pay attention, he'll probably do this with you as well, but often in service, um, even if it's not a scripture that is being shared, even if my husband's not even on that topic, um, or whoever the minister is, I'll often hear scriptures in my heart. And of course, there's scriptures I've typically heard before because how can I be put in remembrance of something I don't know yet? But in, on Sunday, the Lord reminded me of the 23rd Psalm. And he reminded me of this time in our lives where uh, my husband was really going through it. It was actually in the season leading up to pastoring and he was really struggling with offense and hurt. Some of it justified, some of it, you know, exaggerating in his own mind, because we do that. And he was really tempted to quit. I mean, really. And now we know that if the head of the household quits, then, you know, it's going to affect the whole household. And, uh, well, so that was this time we were, we were, it was the season leading up to pastoring, but we weren't told we were going to pastor yet. Not by anybody. By the Lord we were. But um, we weren't told that. It wasn't official, but we knew this was like the days leading up to it. And he was hurt, and he was offended, and it was so heavy on him that he just, he didn't want to see anybody, he didn't want to talk to anybody, he didn't want to, he could not get happy. It was just, it was a horrific time. It really was. And I'm, I'm like, well, what, what do I do, you know? <laughs> and I was really um, struggling with it as well, but just from the, pl the place of, how do I help him? How do I help him through this? And uh, one night, he thankfully, he went for a ride with a, a minister friend of ours, and I was home, the kids were in bed, and I was on my couch, and all of a sudden, I felt this heaviness come over me. It was like I was wearing like a wet, heavy, weighted blanket. You know those x-ray blankets? It was like a really heavy x-ray blanket fell over me, and, I, and it hurt, and it felt like, ugh. And there was this agony that came with it. And I knew that was what my husband was experiencing, that pressure. And so I started crying. I was crying because I was physically feeling it. And I was crying because I realized this is what my husband is dealing with. And wow, this is such a burden. And the Lord led me to the 23rd Psalm. And so let's pull that up. We'll probably pull that up a lot here today. <laughs> um, and I'll share with you specifically the scripture that he dealt with me, or the part of this scripture 
that he had me to pray for my husband during that time. All right, so Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Let's keep going. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Keep going. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What the Lord showed me and highlighted in my heart that night was that the Lord restores your soul. That's what he reminded me of. And I was like, well, that's an interesting word, restores. What's that word all about? And when I looked up that word in the original language as I'm sitting there that night and I'm praying for my husband and I'm, Lord, what is this all about? I know there's something in this because you're leading me here. That, that word restores means to bring back to the beginning, to bring back. And so what I knew, I prayed for my husband that night, was that the Lord would restore him to the place in his mind where he remembered, why did we come to God in the first place? Why did we start doing this in the first place? What, why did I need God? Why did I turn to God? Why am I serving God in the first place? Because when all the stuff out there, and sometimes it's people in the church will, will offend you. Sometimes your pastor will offend you. You know why? Humans. It's human stuff. It's just part of life. And then that, that offense, it'll linger and it'll grow and it'll try to make you want to quit like my husband wanted to do. And uh, the Lord reminded or showed me that, that I should pray that he would restore his soul like he promised to do in the word, that he would remind him of what he, why, why we're doing this, why he doesn't want to quit, why he wants to keep going with God. And I believe that that prayer changed everything. I do. I believe that the Lord helped me to pray that through so that he got to the other side of that. And of course, we wouldn't be here today um, if, if we wouldn't have gotten through that situation. So on Sunday, my husband wasn't talking about anything of the sore. You know, it was just the Lord dropped that memory in my heart, that reminder of that scripture and that reminder of that, that time period in, in my heart. And so I wrote it down like I do, and I just, I, I'll go back to that later, you know. And then Monday, uh, Monday I had a doctor's appointment. <laughs> and Monday I, um, well, let me just say this. A couple of weeks ago, I had to go for my first mammogram. I turned 40. <laughs> I know people don't like to tell about these things, but I like to be real because I really believe that Personal testimony helps people. And if you think the minister can't ever have like moments in life where they fall short or where things hurt or where they feel it, then that makes you feel like you're somehow failing if you feel it. And I don't want you to feel that way. I felt that way. And I don't, I don't believe God wants us to feel that way. So I think it's important to share these things. So a couple of weeks ago, I had my first mammogram, and I did not like it. <laughs> Men, you don't understand, but women over 40, you get it. And uh, so they said, you know, you're done, go ahead. And so I left and I waited for a week for the results or whatever. And they called me, they said, you need to come back in. And I said, okay. And they said, come, when can you get here? And so I made an appointment again and I went back in. And then within an hour of leaving that appointment, they called me and they said, we need to go send you to St. Vincent's. And I said, okay, is this, 
like something I should be concerned about, you know, what is this all about? I'm not really sure because I've never done this before, you know, and they said, well, we're going to get you some, some deeper tests and if you, if they see a problem, they'll keep you for some sonograms and uh, you'll know that day what's going on. And I was like, okay, so I'll go get some tests and then if they make me stay for more tests, then some in my head, you know? Yeah. Okay, so that means if I stay for the second set of tests, that means something more is wrong and they've got to dig into it deeper and figure out what's going on. Okay, so I go there and I'm in good spirits and I wasn't afraid and I had put it, I had thought I had put that on the back burner, not thinking about it anymore, not worried about it, but I show up to the appointment and I'm in the waiting room and it's a room full of people and, and uh, women and we're all really in great clothing, comfortable clothing. <laughs> hanging out, we should have been at a sauna, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> not to put weird pictures in your minds. <laughs> we had gowns on, okay, let's just, we had gowns on, all together with strangers in gowns. <laughs> and they bring me in to get the test done, and they just put me through the ringer. I mean, I'm serious. I was like, what are you doing? You know, this is crazy. And they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to get you set up for that sonogram now. And I said, okay. So now in my mind, I'm churning, it's railing, and I'm going, okay, well, they told me at Westfield, they told me that if I have to go back, that means there's more that they're concerned about. And so I'm like, okay, okay, whatever. And so I'm sitting there in this waiting room with all those women again, and they all start talking about their cancer. And they all start talking about how painful it is and how every time they come there's more cancer and how I got this I got one breast cut off and well I've gotten two and I have new ones put on but they're in bed they they have to cut them off now and blah 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 and it was just like they are going back and forth and back and forth about their misery and all of the things going on and I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna die, my husband's gonna get remarried, my kids are gonna stop serving God, oh my gosh, this is gonna be painful, I'm gonna lose my job, how are we gonna pay our bills, the church is gonna lose heart, people are gonna quit, you were sick before, you're probably sick again, somebody, you know, remember your friend just died from breast cancer, remember, you know, this person who's way more spiritual than you, they're really sick right now, and all these thoughts, and I'm starting to well up in tears, seriously. Like, <sighs> so I'm texting my husband who's waiting for me, and I'm like, they need more tests. And he said, is something wrong? Because he had known. And I said, they're not really telling me anything right now. I said, but I am sitting here, and I'm being bombarded with thoughts. I am being bombarded with lots of conversation, not with me included, but conversations surrounding me, literally. And I can't go anywhere. I'm in a hospital gown, and I'm in some room in some hallway that I don't even know where I'm at. I have to stay there. And I have to keep listening to this. And so all of a sudden on the inside, remember yesterday when I had you write down the 23rd Psalm? Maybe it's time to pull that back up. And I was like, heard you, Lord. Got it. Heard you. And so under my mask, I said, Lord, I trust you. I heard you. I will get into that again. And so I did. So when I got into the 23rd Psalm, this is the part that the Lord spoke to my heart. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I was like, Lord, I know right now that you are here with me. You supernaturally spoke to my heart and reminded me of that psalm yesterday in preparation for today, knowing what I was about to experience today. And though maybe this doesn't seem like some big, massive thing that I was going through, we all deal with moments like this, where you feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose. I'm, I, and you have that temptation, you don't trust God anymore, you don't believe, you know, that fear comes over you and that fear wants to grip you. It really does. And so, I'm in there and I got into that and I prayed that prayer and then I started in my mind just kind of, all right, I'm actually not even going to like pray a scared prayer, you know? Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be the person who, okay, I just said I trusted God and now I've got to keep praying a scared prayer. Right. So you know what I did? I practiced Spanish on Duolingo. <laughs> <laughs> and I held that Spanish speaking Duolingo up to my phone or up to my ear and I didn't hear anything those ladies were saying anymore. I was like, Como estas? <laughs> Estoy bien. <laughs> and I, and then they came and they got me. You know I was like the last person in that room, but they came and got me first. And I believe they did that, that the Lord did that for me. I really do. And so I get into the sonogram room, and I said, you know, you really probably shouldn't put all these people in the same room. <laughs> He said, because, you know, some people would be really, really afraid of, of the people talking about dying all the time. And she said, don't listen to a thing they're saying. They don't know what they're talking about. They do this all the time. And I was like, oh, goodness. And I said, can you explain what's going on with me? Turns out all of this was just to get a really wonderful first reading. <laughs> a good baseline to base everything off of forever so that now we can go I said so what there's nothing wrong with me and they said no you have some lymph nodes we like to check them out that's normal the radiologist came in she's like I like to talk to people personally I was like well that's awesome and so she's like you are fine in fact nobody's normal everybody's different so we just kind of like to do this and she said turns out that the reason they didn't get a good reading in Westfield is because the doctor's been out of town so all of this stuff I had to take three days off of work to do this I had to go out there I had to sit for hours in this room and the Lord guarded my heart and helped me and I believe that it's okay to walk through things like that to be able to share them because guess what? You're gonna have moments where you're gonna get a bad report or you're gonna get that thought that the report could be bad or you're gonna hear somebody else sitting in a room next to you talking about how their husband just died in a plane crash. You know, one time my husband said that they were going to fly somewhere for, for ministry and they're walking under like, I don't know, like they had to walk under a television to get to like get on the plane. And that television was playing all this like news of plane crashes. <laughs> what? But that's how stupid the devil is. He wants it in our heads. He wants us to want to quit. He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to fear. But when we feel that, when we're feeling that press, when we're walking through those moments, when we're dealing with that stress and that burden, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to make it through this. I'm not going to survive this. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. He is with us. And I want to get into the rod and the staff. In fact, can you pull up that first picture? 
I kind of like this pulling up pictures. I'm an art teacher. I'm a really visual person. <laughs> the rod here is what they're talking about, the shepherd's rod. The shepherd's rod was like the discipline thing. It was, it was the weapon of keeping them safe so they'd fight off, and I know that that's not going to do anything. <laughs> Fruit ninja. <laughs> No, they would, they would knock, you know, they'd keep them safe. That was like a club-like stick, right? <laughs> and the staff, that had a hook at the end. And I think that's really precious. So the rod would prod and would correct and uh, would, would ward off the enemy animals, so to speak, the lions, whatever's coming after, after the sheep. But that staff, see that hook? I think of it as like a crane machine. You ever try to pick up one of those stuffed animals in the crane machine and you pull it over here and of course it drops not into what you're taking home it drops somewhere else in the middle yeah. but how it picks it up and it just I'll put you over here yeah. and so the shepherd would actually kind of grab you know let's get let's get you out of here let's get you off that path you're going you're gonna fall you're gonna get hurt you know and that's what the shepherd the shepherd's rod and staff are for and so I really felt like in that waiting room that the Lord was prodding me hey you know better than this I showed you this yesterday. You know this. You know the truth. Correcting me, prodding me, and I was like, I hear you, Lord. But then it was like, pick me up and put me into a new path so that I wasn't afraid anymore. And I believe that the Lord used this illustration so we could understand that. The rod is his authority, it's power, it's discipline, it's to defend the sheep, but the staff represents his long-suffering and kindness with us. Just, eh, let's move you over here. Let's just get you back on course. Let's just take you out of that mess and get you back, okay? Um, in biblical times, and I did some research on this, um, a shepherd constantly used both, consistently used both of these to tend to the flock. And they were both different ways of protecting the sheep. Um, this is something else uh, I have written down. It says, sheep will eat just about anything, regardless of whether it is something that could harm them or kill them. They endlessly wander, seemingly without direction. And some sheep stubbornly resist the shepherd's prodding. And so the staff is him loving them enough to bring them back, even though they're trying to fight against him. Yeah. You know when the word says that, that he, the shepherd would leave the 99 to go get the one? He's going to get them to bring them back because that's loving kindness. That's, that's long-suffering. Amen? Um, so the staff with the crook the shepherd would use to gently but firmly pull the sheep back to the fold and keep the sheep moving in the right direction. So I love that picture up there because it helps us to see, you know, the difference between the two. You can pull that down. You can pull that down. And this is what the Lord dealt with my heart. There's a lot that we can relate to being sheep, having a shepherd. Now, I don't think we're dumb. We're not. God made us smart. He made us with brains. He made us to understand things. He made us. He wanted us to have knowledge. He wanted us to have wisdom. But there are things we can do sometimes that seem pretty dumb. <laughs> we can, and mostly, there are things that we do because we got in our head, right? Because we thought, oh, I'll figure this out my own way. I won't worry. I won't get God's guidance. I won't see what God has to say. I'll do it my way. But a shepherd, a good shepherd, will help to guide you and keep you on path. And I love that. And how is a pastor in today's term supposed to do that? Through the word, yeah. through the spirit, the leading of the spirit. God led me to preach this message today. And I know that there's things in this message for each one of us in this room and probably some that didn't even come. Yeah. 
but the Lord wanted you to get something out of this today, and that's him guiding you, and that's him, you know, pulling you back in. Amen? Amen. Whenever you feel that prodding to go a different way or to get back on path, it's better not to be stubborn and to come willingly. It's safer not to have to be crooked back, so to speak. <laughs> if you had to be crooked back in, that's because you were in danger. And so it's safer to let the Lord direct your heart and get you back on track as you go. You know, we know sometimes when people are going through it. I mean, we know a lot of times. We know a lot of times when people are dealing with offense, for instance, when someone's mad at us, when someone is offended by the word being preached, or maybe that they perceived what we did to them wasn't right, or, or they, you know, the devil's just convinced them that we're against them, whatever. And we see it sometimes. But you know, the Lord is so good, and he's long-suffering. We could go and be like, you're offended with me. Or we could let the Lord correct somebody's heart, and he does, and he does, and he helps get people back on track. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> we have to trust in God. We have to recognize the voice of the enemy. We have to stand firm in our faith. Of course, um, I told you nothing's wrong with me, <laughs> but I share these things with you because we all go through things. And you need to understand, how do you respond when you go through things? Did I fail because I teared up? Because I started getting afraid? Did I fail? No. no, because when the Lord corrected me, when the Lord encouraged me, I got back to the place I needed to be. And that's what the Lord wants to do with us. So don't beat yourself up because you're feeling it. Because you're going to feel it. You'll have moments of fear. You'll have moments of sadness. You'll have moments of offense even. You'll have no moments where you're hurting. You'll have moments when you're angry. Let the Lord correct you and pull you back. Don't beat yourself up because you felt it. You know, just don't quit. Just let him bring you back so that you don't live in it. And the enemy wants us to feel alone and feel like we're failures. Feel like we've done something wrong so that's why we're going through this. And so when we know that other people also experience it, then we can understand that, listen, this is like a human problem that we all deal with things. And it's not that I'm just the loser in the situation. I'm just the one that can't get it figured out. No, it's not that at all. You're good. You're good. If you're here today, you kept going. Yeah. Amen? And that's important. And God wants that. Um, I want to just share with you Proverbs 27, 17. The Lord dealt with my heart about this scripture, too, in regards to sharing this testimony with you. He said, it says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And what, that's what we do for each other. When we come to church, that's what we do for each other. And that's why we encourage people to stick around, fellowship with one another, spend time with each other, share the testimony, share the victories, talk through the burdens, because maybe someone else has gone through those things you're going through, and they can now give you their testimony, which will help pull you out of the mess. And it's important for us to connect with one another and sharpen each other so that we can get beyond these things. All right. Oh, gosh, I am running out of time already. How is that possible? All right. Um, I have this written down. A testimony only comes from a test. If you never went through anything, you'd never have a testimony. But if we never share our testimony, then no one else can be sharpened by it. And um, I have written down the madman of Gadara. Remember the man that was demon-possessed? That was, I mean, it was a pretty significant uh, demon possession, pretty significant. And the Lord delivered him from that. And the man was so grateful. He said, can I go with you? Let me go with you. The madman of Gadara was like, Jesus, take me with you. You just delivered me. And Jesus said what to him? 
Who remembers? Go back and tell your people your what? Testimony. Because the people needed to hear what the Lord had done. Oftentimes Christians are ashamed of their testimony. Why is that? And I've been there. Because you feel like people don't want to hear another Christian talking. You feel like people don't really believe what you believe anyway. So what's it going to help to share it? God wants us to share our testimony so that people get through it. So that people know that there's a way out. All right, can we just quickly pull up Acts 4.33? Yeah, this, this is important for us to understand. When you go through something, the Lord will help you. But if he's helped you through something, please help someone else through something. Help them. You are all called to minister to other people. Every one of us in this room is called to minister to other people. It doesn't mean you'll be in a pulpit, but you are called to help people. Every one of us. It says, and with great strength and ability and power, the apostles delivered their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace, and I have here, um, I must be reading in the Amplified, loving kindness and favor and goodwill rested richly upon them all. When we share our testimony, look at this, great grace or loving kindness, favor, and goodwill will rest on the hearers of that testimony. You never know what your story will do for someone else. You never know. In fact, my husband has shared lately, um, there was a faith fix question um, sent in from this church, and it was regarding my testimony of being an atheist, raised an atheist my whole life, and how did I come to the Lord and come to be a minister? And so I, in the small amount of room I had in the faith fix, I shared that testimony. And someone in our Cory church who's there now, was not there before that testimony, read that testimony, and he knew, I need to get there. The Lord is bringing me back. So that testimony brought somebody in, and now that person is reaching the community, is outreaching, and that's not from me. It took God giving me a testimony, (laughs) first of all. It took someone asking about that testimony. It took someone wanting to know that testimony, and then someone else sharing that testimony again, and someone seeing that testimony and grabbing hold of it to now know that others could have that same testimony. And that's just what is so amazing about God. And so I knew that, you know, I had to share my testimony regarding the 23rd Psalm, and we're going to actually get more into the 23rd Psalm, but um, I just wanted to remind you what my husband had said about the firefly. Do you remember when he said that we can look back out in that, I think, did he say that on Tuesday night? Tuesday night. He said the light of the world, the light can't really be hidden. He said a little bit of light or a little bit of testimony, a little bit of goodness, it will light up a dark space. And we have a field, we have a property, and we can look out our window and we can look into our back field. It can be pitch black, maybe a little bit of stars in the sky. And you can see those little lightning bugs, those little fireflies. And boy, you see them from a distance. They light up and you can tell they're there and they can't be hidden. They can't be hidden. In fact, kids can catch them. They catch them all summer long. They cannot hide from those kids because that light can't hide. That light will shine through darkness. And see, that's what our testimony is meant to do. It's meant to shine in a dark world. And have you felt like the world has been dark lately? Have you felt like there's a lot going on that's hard, that's, you know, not good, not godly? You know, I know there's a lot going on 
this very month there's things that ha that people are you know engaging in and publicly my husband um, took my father out to dinner as an early Father's Day gift last weekend and um, they were up in Buffalo and they said there had been this massive parade and it was filthy the streets were covered with debris and covered with garbage and just you know nobody really caring about what they left behind and and it was shame, a shame he said it was sad to see it but the light can't be hidden in the dark world. We can look and we can find the darkness. The darkness is abundant. But the light, that will shine through abundant darkness. A little bit of light, it'll, it'll be noticeable in that darkness. And it's the light that'll bring people to the Lord. Amen? All right. So we're going to get into the 23rd Psalm a little bit. Yeah. Because I knew I was supposed to share my testimony with you, but then I also knew that I was to share and really dig into the 23rd Psalm. If the Lord kept using that in my life and kept bringing it back before me, there's some things to get out of that. Yeah. Amen? All right. So I already talked about restoration of our souls, and I already shared with you about the rod and the staff, uh, but there's so much more. So we're just going to break it down verse by verse. And don't worry, it's only 85 scriptures. <laughs> Anybody believe me in that? Some of you are like, it is? Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> Six scriptures. All right, so we're going to look at verse one here. <laughs> Can I take some water? Is that okay here? Can I be human? <laughs> you talk a lot, your mouth gets dry. In like pastoring 101, they say, don't take a sip of water. I, it's funny because I do have this little rebellion in me, and I know that's not good and probably something I shouldn't admit, but my husband's always like, don't walk on that grass, and I'm like, it's okay, it's faster, and he's like, no, it says don't walk on it, and I'm like, but it's so much faster. <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, I love a few things about this verse. It's so short, and it's so wonderful. The Lord is my shepherd, yeah. my God. He belongs to me. He looks out for me. He loves me. He would have paid the price for me. If I was the one and the 99 were over here, he would have come for me. He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He's my God. He's my Lord. He loves me. I have a personal relationship with him. And that's what David was relaying. God is my God. I know that. He's my God. He is God, the God of Israel, but he's also my God. I shall not want. <laughs> I heard a minister recently preaching about this, and he said, see, you shouldn't want anything. Don't even think about wanting anything. And I was like, well, that's not what that's saying. That word want means that lack. It means we should not, will not lack anything. It says to be decreased. This is the original meaning. Want means to be de decreased, to lack. Uh, the word want does not mean we shouldn't want or desire anything. It means that when we are in his sheepfold, we won't lack anything we need. When we belong to God and God is our shepherd and we are in his sheepfold, he makes sure we have what we need. And I believe that, you know, need is kind of a relative term. You know, there's different things that, you know, if you asked us what we need versus what somebody in a third world country needs, that would be very different. And I don't know that it's so spelled out and defined. I'm not saying that. But I believe that the Lord, according to his word, takes care of his people when they're walking with him. You know, the things that you need, there are things that you'll desire, and maybe no one understands why you desire them, but the Lord does. 
and he'll bring them to you and he'll get those things over to you when you're walking with him it's not that you don't want to have anything nice you know but it's that you don't need to worry about whether or not you're going to get those things you know um, Philippians 419 will you pull that up because this is this is the same this is what God is saying in the 23rd Psalm it says and my God will liberally supply fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus and if we read that in context that is talking about people who are walking out the plan of God that is not talking about people who don't serve God that's not talking about people who are just trying to get something out of God that is people who with a genuine heart are trying to do what God has for them to do he will supply he will bring it to you it may not look like it at times we know the Apostle Paul said in the same set of scriptures really in the same book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul was talking about not knowing, or not, not worrying, being content, whether he had a lot or whether he had a little, knowing that the Lord would bring him through. And right now, we need to grab hold of that because the gas prices are going up. I saw somebody put a joke out there that said that they got robbed at the gas station. It was one of those ones that makes you think that they really got robbed, and you're like, oh, no, they got robbed. And they were, they were talking about pump number two robbing them. <laughs> We could get fed up, we could get caught up, we could get real worried that God wasn't going to come through for us, but he promised he would. So whether gas prices are $11 like they are in Europe, <laughs> or they're $5 like they are here, God will come through for us, amen? He will take care of us. Food prices, I, I mean, there was a time in our life that we literally had nothing. We had, I was on bed rest, I had no job, my husband got hurt and had to take time off of work. We weren't getting paid. There was times that we had no money, literally no money for food. But guess what? God had faithful people provide that for us. And not because we went around begging for it. We really didn't. We just said, you know what? It'll come. And it came through family members and it came through church family members and it and and it came through sales at the grocery store. I mean, honestly, oh gosh, these bag of apples are 99 cents. Awesome, you know? But there were things that God would do to provide for us regardless of what it looked like. Regardless. The provision applies to the one in the plan and the sheepfold of the Lord. It doesn't mean you'll do everything perfect if you're in his plan and in his sheepfold. That doesn't mean that, because you won't. I can tell you right now, everybody say, I am not perfect. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, tell yourself, it's okay. Because I'm going on with God and trying to get where he wants me to get. Amen? But he tries, he always takes care of his people. All right, number, uh, verse 2. Look how fast that was. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. So these green pastures, I have a window now that my husband put in our bedroom. And I can lay in my bed and I can see our field, that same field with the fireflies. And that field often has, all, like at this time of year, is all green. It's like my whole window is green. And I always pictured green pastures like that. But then I got into studying this and realized when David was talking about that, that's not where they lived. They didn't live in this kind of landscape. Can you pull up those pictures? So this is the kind of landscape they lived in. And so when I was reading, the shepherds of that day, they had to walk the sheep to find food each day because that food would dry up. They, it, there wasn't abundance of green but the shepherd would lead the sheep to the green that they needed to sustain them. 
And remember the manna in Exodus? Remember the manna from heaven? What did the Lord tell the Israelites? He said, gather each day what is needed for that day. And tomorrow when you go back out, what is needed for tomorrow will be there. And that's the same visual, the same understanding of what David was saying when he said that, that a good shepherd leads the sheep to green pastures. God will make sure you have what you need because he is a good shepherd. And likewise, in a local church, God put pastors in the local church to help lead the people to the food and the feeding that they needed. And so, you know what? You may think, I don't know everything yet. That's okay. I'm giving you what you need to know right now. We're giving you what you need for this week. Any of you feeling like God is answering some questions for you today? And I don't even need to raise uh, hands because I know it. Because I know that if you put this in my heart for you, he is dealing with your heart about something. He's literally leading you to the green pastures. He's leading you to what you need to know to sustain you, to get you through. Amen? Yeah, that's the little tuft of grass that dries up with the heat. <laughs> it's an interesting landscape. The green pastures in David's time were bare, rocky hills with just enough vegetation to sustain the sheep for that day. The sheep were dependent upon the shepherd to lead them to the forage that they would need the next day. It's symbolic of the fact that God, they could trust God for their daily sustenance. It meant that they had enough for this day and they could trust God for tomorrow's portion. So good. See, people want to twist, and you can take that down, but people want to twist scripture and make it all about what I can get from God. How much money can I get? How much houses can I get? How much cars can I get? How many nice clothes can I have? They want to twist it to make God seem like he's like some slot machine or something. Yes, God wants you abundantly supplied for. He does. But he will make sure that in every situation as you follow him, you will be taken care of. And sometimes there will be things that we go without for a time because it does trust or uh, teach us and help us to learn to trust him because you know I was I have where do I have this written down right here we do have to ask ourselves what would make us learn to trust God more would it be patience and always seeing God come through or would it be abundance to begin with and never having to wait on God for anything which one would would make us trust God more which one would keep us more connected to God? Because over the years, I have seen many people come into this church, into our church that we were raised up in, and I've seen many people come in looking for the job, looking for the car, looking for the house, looking for the spouse that rhymed. <laughs> Told you my husband would come out and meal it. No. And they get what they want, and then it all falls apart where they leave. There was one particular family, and they were precious. And the Lord really poured out to them, but they got abundance really fast. And I can't say that was God, uh, the abundance so quickly, because if it was God, I don't believe it would have destroyed them. But it destroyed them because the character hadn't been built yet. We tell our kids, you know, if I just gave Ezra a million dollars right now, guess where it would go? It would go to clothes and shoes and makeup, mostly. I mean, I would take some of it and put it aside, but I'm saying if I gave her free course to a million dollars right now, it would just be gone. When I was a teenager, I'd get my hair done, my nails done, I would go out to eat wherever I felt like it, whenever I felt like it, and I would go to the movies, and I just spent all my money because, well, gosh, I got this money. <laughs> but the Lord built character in me over time and having to work for things and having to wait for things and having to be patient. It built character in me, and that's what God wants to do because he wants 
the things that you have in life, he wants the, the, the sustenance and the, the blessing to be long-lasting. Yeah. He doesn't want it to be a temporary thing. He wants you to live in his blessing, not to have it for a day and it be gone. He wants you to get that to the point where you always have that provision. Amen? God knew what he was doing here, and David understood this concept. And the Lord saw fit for this to be in his eternal word. He is a provider through and through. His heart would be that we never lack anything we need. And he wants to bless us even more than our basic needs. But we've got to be content where we're at and trust him for, for what he's going to bring us through and into. Amen? All right, he leads me beside quiet waters. I was reading a little bit about sheep. Do you know that the sheep, they did not, they don't, sheep in general, you probably know this, Dwayne, sheep don't like, I know you don't have sheep, but you probably know it because animals, some animals are similar. But maybe, have you ever had sheep? No. <laughs> Anybody ever had sheep? Okay, so sheep don't like to go to a running water source. They don't like to go to a river that's running because they're actually a little bit afraid of it. And I get that because they're really heavy and you think about heavy wet wool and how it would drag them down. It's actually kind of like intimidating. So a farmer and actually David and this time the shepherds, they would actually dam up the water source so that they could actually drink the still water which is really an interesting illustration to me because it, it's, it's like God wants us to drink in peace. And I'm talking about spiritually. He wants us to be able to approach him peacefully. He wants us to be able to receive from his word peacefully. He wants us to live in that calm and that still. And a good shepherd would lead us to that. And so week in and week out, my husband and I, we try to stand up here and share with you what God has for you to help you, to help you to live in that peace, to stay in that peace, to drink of that living water, to get to the other side, to be nourished, to be, to when you're thirsty, to be made full. Amen. And that's what God had intended for us. Um, praise the Lord. He restores my soul. We talked about this. Literally, it's renewing our minds, and he does it through his word. David knew firsthand what discouragement felt like. There were many things, and I don't have time to get into them, but many things that David went through before writing this psalm that discouraged him. I mean, he even had, I mean, he had to run from wanting to be killed. I mean, he had his own son turn against him in life. I mean, there's so much there with David's life. But he knew that God and a good shepherd, who he knew was his shepherd, would restore him, would restore his soul. Amen? He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Again, this is another illustration that David understood based on his experience shepherding and where they lived. And can you pull up that picture, Caleb? I think there's two. Okay, so do you see these lines in, in these hills? The shepherd would literally have to lead the sheep in kind of the long way, like circle them down to the water source. And so these are actually like tracks made in the mountains that the sheep stomping through would make. And the reason he had to do that is because the sheep would want to just go straight down. <laughs> and guess what would happen if you just take the easy way? It wouldn't be very easy for you. So a good shepherd literally leads you in the right path so that you will not be harmed along the way, so that you will not fall into trouble. Right. You can take that down. 
And so that's what that means. He'll lead us in the paths, the right paths. He'll show us the right things to do, the right way to behave, the right choices to make, the right, the right decisions, the right places to move, the right jobs to have. He'll show us those things. He'll lead us in the right path. And he'll do that for our protection so that we don't just take our easy way out, which is our human tendency, right? right? Yeah. So we don't just take our easy way out and fall to our death or fall to destruction. A good shepherd knows that sometimes taking a slower way is worth it because of how it keeps you safe and because of what the, the character and humility you'll pick up along the way. Psalm 37.3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. We need to trust in the Lord that his paths are the right paths for us. We need to trust him. But if we're never seeking after him, if we're never waiting on him to know what he has for us to do, then we won't know the path. And we will take the easy way out because that's our human tendency. So we want to wait on the Lord and let him lead us in the right path. And of course, verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Praise the Lord. Oh, I have this written down according to the Dakes um, Bible concordance. It says, safe passage through the valley of the shadow of death, which refers to the deep, waterless, gloomy, wild, beast-infected, rocky, dangerous ravine so common in Palestine. <laughs> so we see, when we just skip through this, we're like, oh, God is so good. Yes, he is, but there's so much meaning and so much depth and so much protection that David was relaying to us in the 23rd Psalm. So much protection that God wanted for our lives and he wanted us to understand. You prepare, verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, you have anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Uh, you know, what we could, we don't have too much time to get into the table prepared, but essentially, God makes sure that even regardless of what's coming against you and who's coming against you, what you're dealing with, that you're okay. You can eat. You can be provided for. You can have that peace. You can be there. And he anoints my head with oil and my cup overflows. Um, this, the cup, or excuse me, the anointing oil, it was part of like a ritual that they would do before feasts in ancient times. Um, but we know oil as representative of the anointing. You know, and the anointing is that, that glory of God, that unction of God on your life, on the life of a believer. And the Lord will give you that. My husband was just talking about that, that you don't even need someone teach you that anointing because you'll know it on the inside amen yeah. my cup overflows and literally we have access to living water and refreshing as we stay in his sheepfold and again this is more about the spirit nature our spirit man than it is about natural water <laughs> and i think about the woman at the well and what jesus said to her he said those who come to me they'll never thirst because I'll give them living, rivers of living water. God said, you'll never thirst if you come into my sheepfold. You'll never have to go without. You'll always have that. And we know that the, the word is what waters us. Um, according to the word, that there's water and the washing and the water of the word. Amen. Um, all right, and let's go to the last one here. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Of course, we know that we'll dwell in God's house in eternity, but we know that eternity starts here, that God wants us in his home, in his provision, in his care, in his loving arms now. 
He wants us there now. He wants us to experience Psalm 23 every day. And not because everything's hunky-dory. The world is going to be dark. The Bible promised trials. It said that there would be tests and things that come against us. And some of you are going, I didn't know it would be this many. <laughs> but the world is not a happy place. The world is filled with destruction. And we know that the only thing that leads uh, men and women to God is the goodness of God, right? That's what leads people to repentance. And so we have to stand on and in the goodness of God, and we have to be his light regardless of what's going on. We have to trust that his goodness and loving kindness follow us, that he is with us everywhere we go, that when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he, his rod and his staff, they do comfort us. If we are about to go off, he's a good shepherd. He, he'll, he'll prod us. He'll convict our hearts to get us back on track, but we've got to listen, and we've got to go back to him every single time. I have this written down. When we are tempted to quit, surely goodness and mercy. Yeah. I got to say that again. When you are tempted to quit, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Surely goodness and mercy is right there for me. Feeling lack? Nope, I'm not going there. <laughs> Feeling depressed? Nope, not going there. Getting afraid? Nope, not going there. Uh, don't know if I'm going to make it through this? Mm -mm, not going there. <laughs> I'm not taking myself to that place. I'm staying in his sheepfold. I'm staying on his path because I know that that's where the provision is. That's where the help is. That's where the victory is every single time. Fear and doubt and lies from the devil, don't let him bombard your mind. Rest in him. Rest in his promises. Dwell in his house. He has invited you in, and he's welcomed you in with open arms. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I got through that message. Um, I'm thankful for what the Lord wanted to, to deliver, to deliver, not liver, liver and onions, <laughs> what the Lord wanted to deliver to us today because he wants us to know he's here for us. You know, we can see a lot of things we need to correct in life. We can. We can see a lot of things that areas get into the word and you're like, I got to do that a little bit better. I got to get better at that. But we need to know and God wants us to know that he's loving us. He loves us here this morning. He wants to care for us here this morning. He wants you to take this with you wherever you go and know that he's there. Tap into that. As you go throughout your week, tap into that. Don't even look at the gas prices next time you go to the pump. Just don't even look at it. Just, just get what you need and leave. <laughs> don't let it bother you. And I keep bringing that up because I know it's bombarding people's minds. It's, it's all over social media. It's the only thing you're hearing people talk about. So just don't go there. Don't go there.